Well, welcome back, and you are listening to a new look of yeah. the Keep the Change podcast. Mikey, how about this? This is fancy, man. This is a little bit above and beyond us, eh? Yeah, this is uh, quite different to driving around trying to find a room that doesn't have construction going on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's a Lambo in the back. We've got a $100 note in the background. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. We've got some some greens from BioBlends, a book that I've cut the front cover off as well. <laughs> <laughs> why, why I did that is because on the back of that, I've written like an income goal, asset goal, and so that sits in my wallet. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I cut the front of a finance Man. book to write that on. So yeah, that's nice. where that missing square is. It's sitting in the old wallet. But uh, we are here. This is the evolution of the Keep the Change podcast, which is exciting. Mm. And there'll be some changes around here into 2024. People have been asking to watch the podcast. Um, I don't know why. I think that... It's probably, there's not too much to see, but given that there's now a fancy studio to watch it from, maybe people will be Mate, interested. Same thing just happened with Joe Rogan. He's allowed back on YouTube and people wanted the video. Wow. Yeah. yeah I did a quick poll on Instagram and about 56% of people are like, yeah, I would like to watch it rather than just listen. So hopefully now we can get that onto YouTube and then we'll also build out some shorter form content to go out. And the idea is that we keep building the audience so we can get close to this goal of helping 100,000 Kiwis improve their financial literacy. Mm -hmm. And like anything, when you're doing a project, these things evolve and they go into the next chapter. So there will be sponsors coming on board as well as this grows. There will be um, ads into some of the podcasts as well. Now, I know not everybody's into that, but what that's going to allow us to do is to then use this content to get it in front of even more people so that we can keep getting valuable content in front of people that really need it. And that's how we can move the needle of people's financial literacy in the country. It's just so fucking exciting, eh? Yeah. yeah it's just fuck. So January was the biggest month of downloads for Keep the Change um, in history, just under 80,000 downloads. But little caveat there is that have been running some ads on Spotify Spotify to the podcast. Now, uh, Spotify introduced a way to promote podcasts through their ads. And so they wanted that tested. They asked me to test that. So we did that with Keep the Change and Next Advisory, where you're basically encouraging people to stream your podcast. So I think that might have bumped up some of those downloads. Uh, but, you know, I could have not told people that and just said, how does this? But we're into transparency here. So it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, how that grows over 2024 as the snowball gets bigger. So as always, please leave a five-star review, subscribe if you haven't, whether that's on Instagram or keep the change, not just because it looks cool for us, but literally because it tells the algorithm that this is good content. And then we're going to have more chance of getting the right types of people on the podcast as well. We're going to put more effort into it and extract information that's actually going to be able to help people. And this will just continue to grow and get bigger. It's so exciting, man. It's almost as exciting as what I did last night. What did you? Oh, wow. I think I saw it. You, <laughs> yeah. went, you went Fast and Furious style. Yeah, man. I went full noise down the drag strip. Down Whereabouts at, uh, was that? Midi Midi. Okay. Midi yeah. Midi Dragway. It's just by Hampton Downs, basically. It's so if you of, bet that guy, do you get his car? I asked him before <laughs> and he didn't want to race for, for slips. So, but yeah, nah. It's just a, yeah, yeah, it's just a knockout game, eh? So you just... You qualify, you set your time, and then you go up against the people that were closest to your time, and then eventually you get knocked out and someone has a winner. Wow. But it was cool just to um, – that's my first time doing it, and I had no idea. Like I was walking up to the the volunteers that were there being like, do I race now or like have I missed out? And they was like, no, nah, get in the queue. Like, and I was like, oh, cool, another one. Um, but, yeah, it's mean. Like you just go as fast as you want. There's no cops. So 
That would be very good for you, considering yeah. how we know how you drive. <laughs> what were you? Who were you racing? Like, what was that car? That, you that were, was just my Honda. No, but the car you were racing. Oh, there was all sorts. Oh, I yeah. raced everything from like big V8s down to little VW turbos, and yeah, yeah, outstanding. Well, there's a replay up on your uh, Instagram. Yeah, so yeah, take that down, put it up as a reel as well, mate. Yeah, well, yeah. Anyway, today let's get into some finance chat. Some big changes, mate. Freaking everyone out by the sounds of things. These debt to income ratios. Something that I don't know heaps about. I had to go and do some learning. I understand the concept at a high level, but the man who's probably had more questions than anybody in the country, yeah. Mikey from Guardian Smith. It's a, it's an interesting one, eh? Like it's funny how. This has been talked about, and the Reserve Bank announced that they were looking into it and doing it like a year ago. And now they said some more information came out about it and everyone's lost their mind. Yeah. I actually think this is a rule you would like, mate. Okay. Yeah. I This is this is slowing down the housing market. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Stopping the big gains. Yeah. Uh, speculatively. I think um, the, the crux of it is, is they're basically going to put a maximum limit on your borrowing. And, you know, it's different for different sectors. The It sounds like it's going to be June 1st and – you know, the reason they announced it a year ago was to allow the banks to update their systems and get ready with how they calculate everything. Um, the the thing that people won't like is it's just another rule, yeah. another regulation. I'm I'm kind of over regulation, eh? Like I'm just like fuck, no more rules. Mm. Um, but the good news is for people that are worried about it, is it doesn't make any difference at all right now. So that's the summary. That's it. We've done the pod. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make much difference. Nah. So like I sent out my newsletter to my database the other day and basically said, look, they're going to talk about uh, six times household, gross household income as your max limit and how they calculate that's important too in terms of what they add in, but just high level quickly. If you don't have any other debts, no student loans, no credit cards, whatever, six times your household income is probably like 35% more than we can get now anyway. Wow. So we're probably getting around four times people's household income. It moves around depending on the application, but, you know, it's a big gap between what we're getting now and six. Yeah. What about for individuals to so say that six times, say I'm making, let's keep it a simple $100,000 income. I, if I want to buy a place on my own, the max I can borrow is $600,000. So that's the maximum that's amount of it. debt that I could have. Under these new rules, yeah. yeah. And that even if I had a student loan, credit card, um, had the old Q card back in the day, paying yeah. off the lazy boy. Yeah. So that, say that totals 50K, I'd only be able to borrow five. Correct. So that's how Interesting. It's, that, that sounds like that's how it's going to be calculated. So it takes into consideration all debt that you have. So all you buy now, pay later, losers. <laughs> <laughs> Clear that shit. Be yeah. done with it. So, yeah. So... Yeah. Okay, and, and where it gets interesting is not right now. Um, it's when it comes into speculation because if we roll back the clock to 2020, 2021, when you know interest rates effectively went to you know home loan rates were around two percent, there were loans probably going out the door sometimes around ten times household gross income. Um, and then if we if you think about and and you know, what would have happened to the housing market if you shaved 40% off that effectively and only allowed six at that time? Mm. It wouldn't have blown up. No, I think it would have definitely dampened the the run, you know. I mean, yeah. 
I can't even remember what the numbers were of the housing market, but over the two years, it was like 40% or something like that. It's stupid. Um, but if you don't have access, access to that, to that debt to go and use, you know, in 2020 and 2021, we know that it was because of interest rates. It's a fact. People didn't wake up from 2019 and amazingly have 40 more, 40% more in their savings account. So it was purely debt-based growth. And this product, this DTI, is a bit of a conspiracy theorist. It's kind of like PTSD, I reckon. Like They don't want that to happen again because yeah. additionally, 2022, 2023, 2024 now – we're seeing a bit of hardship and stuff and that was a product of maybe not understanding like it was just FOMO and if you did it and you got the timing wrong you're probably in negative equity now and that's not nice um but you know this is a regulation that would help prevent a bit of that probably and you know that means that it's kind of an admission from the Reserve Bank that 2020 and 2021 was a bit of a fuck up I reckon yeah, it's interesting. So what you're saying there is that back in those 2020, 2021 times, right, interest rates were low. So people were coming to the banks or going to auctions and getting pre-approval, knowing that they could service higher levels of debt, potentially up to 10 times their income. Yeah. So the bank could lend them that money and that's no worries. Yeah. But they'd be doing testing as well. Because I think people need to remember here too that the banks don't want to lose cash. No, like, they're not interested in losing. Yeah, so they've got their own processes to ensure that you yeah. can repay that debt yeah. and then what to do if you can't. So it's not like all of a sudden this is going to be this massive change because the banks are going to be trying to figure out anyway before lending money to someone, should we lend them this cash? Because they don't want to lose that. So what happened though is that people were able to borrow high levels of debt and then that ballooned the housing market as we've seen. And so now they're basically saying, well, if we had this rule back then – where people couldn't go and borrow eight to 10 times their income, they couldn't have been a buyer. That couldn't have driven demand up. So they're basically like, as we like to say, they fucked it up on the way up. Yeah. <laughs> and now they're trying to pretend that they know how to fix it after yeah. breaking it. It also it also says that's exactly right. And it also, if you speculate, that's speculating on what could have happened in the past. We don't know for sure. Mm. But if we speculate into the future, it allows them – to cut interest rates that low again without having the bubble, yeah. I think. And pump cash into the yeah. system. So it's it's putting this in place to me kind of seems like we still would have gone to 2% interest rates, but we just would have stopped you from taking so much out Yeah, to try and allow that, like, f that flush of stimulation into the economy when it's required. But basically you can only go so far. So if we drop rates, we have higher disposable incomes now, and then we put some money into the system in time, all that's going to do is create more consumerism outside of houses. It's probably going to lead to like deck purchases, um, stuff, just general stuff, and we're probably then going to see more inflation. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I think uh, the, the Ponzi scheme really kicks in when the housing market hums. Yeah. And the equity grows and you've just got this free line of equity that you're like, my house is a million, now it's 1.5, I can go take that out. If you dampen the growth of that, the speed of that and the rate of that equity growth, you know, you might not have the amount that you can pull out of your home to go and buy all the Ford Rangers and the boats and the cars and, yeah, you know, like that was pretty evident that that happened over that time. So it is, it is really hard to nail down exactly the effect that it's going to have. I think – 
Short term, don't really matter at the end of the day. I I just disagree with all regulation, but the fact is is that I was looking at it selfishly in my job and, you know, looking at mortgages that we're doing at the moment, I can't even – I'd have to go back to 2021 to find one that was over the limit. And even in 2021, yes, there were people that did take out like 10 times income, but not that many. Yeah, a lot of a lot of stuff was was around that six seven limit. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the future if they do want to cut rates further again. Um, not saying that that's coming. Uh, there's some pretty interesting data out around that at the moment. That's you know they're talking about hikes now. Oh baby, yeah. Um, a couple of important things that are happening in the background on this. So they're talking about owner occupiers. Uh, they're looking at a six times household income debt to income ratio. So if you're on hundred grand, six hundred's the cap type thing. But nothing you builds, is that right? Well, you there's all sorts different? of like exemptions and shit around it. And they're allowing certain amounts of lending that can go over the limit that they're talking about. But once the banks fill up that amount of lending on their books, then they can't do it anymore. So it comes yeah. down to how much capital is available at the bank really. Because ultimately these are rules overarching banks set by the reserve bank but the banks can then set their own rules too right so one bank might be like you know what let's push it right to the limit and another bank might be like we've got enough exposure to that let's do less of that and we see that in the business side where some banks will have higher risk tolerance to business (laughs) than other banks and so we know well there's no point chatting to your bank about it because they just won't bank this whereas another bank's like oh happy days yeah what some people don't even know is that the banks, some of the banks put their own DTI limits in place and it was part of their policy in 2021 because they noticed this trend of this excessive debt themselves. Yeah. Um, so we had calculators on the side of our normal lending calculators and we had to explain it to the bank that it met the DTI. So people didn't even feel it. Yeah. They didn't even know it was happening, but some of it was in place already. The other thing that's come out through the announcement that the Reserve Bank's done is that they're going to do seven times for investment property. And, man, the people that don't like landlords are like, that's unfair, Ah. you know, because owner-occupiers need to get in, but investors can borrow more. Again, like, they can't even get anywhere near that number right now. Um, But maybe in the future. Do the investors need a higher deposit? Yeah. Okay. That's another thing we'll move on to next, which oh, is the LVR rules are changing. <laughs> yeah. It's from, from the same time, 1st of June. So that's coming into it as well. I can't remember them all off the top of my head. I've got so many notes here about it. But basically, if, if it's an owner-occupied, no more than 20% of the total lending that the bank have can be six, six times. So of all the lending that the banks have that is secured against an owner-occupied property, they can have 20% of that that loan book over six times. Yeah. So that's what we're talking about there. Then it comes to the LVR rules. So it sounds like they're going to move them and, and lower the limits. The limit for, like, as everyone knows at the moment, is like 20% deposit, 80% lending is the sort of cap. So that's for a owner-occupied. Yeah. 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 So this at the moment banks of that total loan book that we're talking about they can do 15% of their total loan book over that 
over the 80% loan to value ratio, so less yeah. than 20% deposit. Yeah, so they can basically say, we've got a special product for people that don't have 20%. It's, it's, you, you need 5 or 10 or 15, Correct. and they've got some leeway to play with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so they're allowed to do that 15% of their total loan book. That limit that's in place at the moment is going to be increased to 20% of their total loan book. So as these DTIs and stuff come in, the banks are also allowed to allow to give loans to people or more loans to people without yeah. the 20% deposit. Yeah. So that kind of lets more, you know, first home buyers, owner occupiers into the market. Yeah. Um, but they're also helping the investors out too. <laughs> um, so at the moment, an investment property, you require 35% deposit and that's going to change to 30 with, so basically decreasing the amount you need to buy an investment property. And it doesn't matter. Everyone's got fucking equity in Auckland. They just leverage up and go for it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then and then they're going to allow five percent over that. So if you've got an, if you want to buy an investment property and you've got twenty five percent, if a bank has capacity in that range of allowing that, then they'll do it. Yeah. Well, they might not, but yeah. they're allowed to. But sharp property investors are probably then going to learn which banks are lending what, right? And then take those deals to those. Yeah, they just go to good mortgage brokers that are got their finger on the pulse. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I just want to go back a step, mate, too, because I read something quite interesting just to go back to like rules and stuff like that. And there's a, in the accounting space, there's a property-based accounting firm called Gilligan Row and Associates, and they mm -hmm. do a lot of stuff in property. But I just thought you might like um, this. So one of their heads is Matt, and he says, at least DTIs will stop the Reserve Bank from creating housing bubbles again. It's, it is ironic that the only real housing Price, a house price bubble and correction of more than 20% was caused by the rules set by RBNZ Governor Adrian Orr. <laughs> yeah. Brutal, eh? Yeah. A housing bubble is defined as a market with a correction of more than 20% following a boom. Between 2020 and 2022, first-time buyers and new investors were lured into the property market as historically low interest rates and high LVRs and then had the rug pulled out from under them when interest rates rose more than threefold from 2.65% to now 8.8%. Yet now the same Reserve Bank governor who caused this volatility and harm to low-equity, low-income investors is telling banks how to run their books to stop housing bubbles forming and stabilise banking. Yeah. <laughs> Got a point. Yeah. It, so I'm probably of a similar mindset to that. I think if you think about the fact that banks – they don't want to go broke. No. They don't want to have their loan books collapse. They don't want the housing market to collapse. So they're doing risk assessment on everything they do all the time. They have teams of risk people, mm. you know, and yeah, I just, I just don't think that adding these, adding more regulation is going to be like, oh yeah, cool. This will save the banks. Like they're, obviously very capable. They're the biggest institutions in the country and they have been for a long time. And they, they're some of the biggest taxpayers <laughs> yep. and they're some of the biggest profit makers. Yeah. So they know what they're doing. Yeah, They exactly. know how to de-risk situations. 100%. Probably better than rules. They are the best at protecting their downside in yeah. New Zealand history. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Heartland Bank. This is yeah. sponsoring. <laughs> um, share price is taking a hit, man. I've been having to buy more. Oh. Fuck, it's brutal. Oh, no. Down to a dollar thirty a share. Or something You're going to be moment. a majority shareholder soon. Oh, mate, or broke. Yeah, yeah or broke, or both. <laughs> yeah. Probably both. Yeah, it's just. Uh, it's, oh dear, it's tough, mate. I launched a little offer at about a dollar forty, and then the next week they're at a dollar thirty. I'm like, oh, just keep. So I'm just having to keep buying on the on the down, so that I try and balance out my losses oh, for dear. the for the swing back up that I'm hoping for over yeah. the next hopefully ten years. But anyway, um, well. 
people obviously blew your inbox up though because like this created mass fear i felt like like tell us what these are what yeah. this is bullshit um and like so what was the most common thing you were hearing from people what were they freaking out about with like was it basically this is unfair i'm not going to be able to buy a house yeah. what the hell that was the main one more more rules to you know stop people getting into their first home yeah yeah and i just I don't think that's really true. I don't think the rule is that effective. Yeah. Um, you know, yes, if it, you know, if it came in in 2020, the housing market might not have taken off, which means more people might have got in instead of the housing market running away from them. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm of, like I, I keep saying, like I'm of the view that they, I don't really think these regulations are needed and the banks are capable of testing and assessing everything themselves. But yeah, I don't think it's something that, people love to hate on banks and regulation around banks and the housing market when that when something changes. Like we're very protective of it in New Zealand. Yeah, and you know if there's something that's going to alter it, um, it, the, the fact is is it's not a free market anyway. If it was a free market, it would be operating on its own and not have all this regulation and shit on it. But yeah, I don't. I just don't think you have to worry about it. It's honestly not a big thing. I guess the thing is, like you often say, that once you put rules in, you don't often see them getting taken away. No. But what you could see is them change. So if shit starts getting out of hand again, it could be a tool where they go, guys, from next month, the DTI is changing from six to five. Yeah. And that could be the thing that, that's when people will really freak out. Yeah. That would be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But we have to remember that this is a country built on top of the housing market. <laughs> like, let's yeah. be honest, right? So they got to be very careful of like how far they move those because it can it can determine who you vote for. It, like, it, it, it makes a lot of decisions for Kiwis in yeah. this country. The thing that a lot of people probably, like the people that probably have more reason to be freaking out a little bit would probably be SME business owners mm. that put their properties on the line to try and get capital to put into their business, that could potentially get trickier for some of them where they're sort of mortgaged up on the personal side but got a little bit of equity and they're like, right, things aren't going so well over here in the business. I need to borrow some money. Can I get that against my property? Yeah. And you get a no. What that means is that people usually go, well, I'll find a yes. And they find it. 35%, and it's an, brother. Bingo. <laughs> yeah. And it's an expensive yes. Yeah, so yeah. then you start looking at different forms of finance and it can be – Easy to get some of that, but it can cost you money. So I think that's going to be very interesting to watch on that side of things too. Yeah, that is going to be interesting. I mean, I don't know how many years we've been talking about this, but if you're concerned that it's going to limit you, the answer is to have a bigger income. Nice. Um, because it's six times your income. Yeah. So if you remove all of your debts, like your credit cards and your afterpays and your personal loans and all of the stuff we talk about, that's that part taken care of and the only thing you're looking at is the mortgage that you want or the, the loan you need for the business or whatever. Then the other part of the calculation is like, I'm on 100 grand now, how do I get to 200? Because that doubles the borrowing capacity. Yeah. So focus on the right things. Yeah. Yeah. Don't and put so much energy into worrying about the rule and just worry about how to play the rule. You can't change the rule now. Yeah. yeah. It, like when you become a killer – you realize that's the right thing to do, not the rules, because you've realized the longer people focus on the rules and you focus over there on like, okay, how do I make sure that I'm not stuck? Mm. Then you end up competing with less people. 
Yeah. Because whilst they stay stuck in the, oh, I can't do this for six months, you get six months to basically have a crack at the market without them being in it. But not everybody thinks like that, and that's probably a small percentage of mindset. But I did wonder, you know, are people going to manipulate this and try and ramp up their income, get the house to get the borrowing, and then be like, right, now I'm on to maternity leave, now I'm on to, you know, uh, lower income, et cetera. Will it be, how regularly could they review this? If you believe that humans will abide by the rules for one second. <laughs> I'm an idiot. Yeah. yeah. No, of course they're going to. Uh, um, you know, it's part of my job is to try and like make sure things are sensible in that regard because like it's very easy for me to see if someone turned up with their business financials and then, you know, ended up paying a huge amount of tax this year but the revenue was kind of the same or whatever the, the story may be. And then if it falls the next year and, you know, everything's been put back through the business again, yeah, but people will do it. Yeah. Of course they will. Humans push everything to, to the, the boundaries. To the limit, man. Yeah. And if there is a will, there's a way. Um, and human creativity, I I back 100% and yeah. they will have it a go. A couple of other things, mate. Those people in the investor space, if you are buying a rental property, for instance, the rental income would form part of your borrowing capacity, right? Yep. Yeah. So it's not just your personal salaries, your rental income would be a form of that. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, if you're picking up 700 bucks a week for your rental, that's another 35 grand a year of gross income that goes on top of your 100K salary. Yeah. And that adds to that that multiple. Yeah. Yeah. I think one thing that I did with Mikey, for those listening, um, I don't own a home, right? As most people probably know, I said to Mikey, can you do a calc for me and tell me what I could borrow yeah. as a household with my partner, just so then we know if we wanted to be full Ponzi lovers, go out and buy and and pay for the pay for the bank stuff and yeah. um, you know stop paying our landlord's bloody mortgage and all yeah. that stuff. <laughs> and one of the things that Mikey said to me is basically, "Here's your number. This is what you could borrow." And very quickly, he's like, "But you know, you shouldn't, hey." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like, "You shouldn't do that." Yeah. And I think that's something for all of us to remember with limits and shit is just because they are there doesn't mean we should go to play to them. So yeah. if we can borrow X, Y, Z, do we really need to? Yeah. Because you know, that, that, because what happens, you start falling into the trap of letting rules make decisions for you instead of going, how can I increase my income? And then what could I potentially borrow? You go like, what's the maximum that I could borrow? Okay, cool. Then I'm going to buy that house. Then the bank go, cool, we'll give you 30 years to repay that. And you go, oh, yeah, it's only 30 years. And you stop thinking about, I don't want to pay it for 30 years. Yeah. I want to pay it in 15. So teach me how to pay it in 15. So yeah. the more that you just accept rules, you play within those yeah. limits. And I just did a quick rant on the way here where I was waiting at a red light. I saw that. It was yeah. real grunty. And Poor lady crossing the road. <laughs> and I saw this lady go to cross the road. There was like 11 seconds left on the beeper and she went and then she stopped. She hesitated and I could tell her mind was calculating, can I make it over there in 11 seconds? Now she looked at her husband or partner or brother or whoever and they were they they hesitated but they committed and they went and they didn't make it in time. Because instead of backing themselves and their instinct that their body and brain gave them to like, let's go, we know where we're going, we know we need to get to the other side, they basically stopped, paused, freaked out, thought about rules and shit, probably calculated <laughs> all the stuff, and then still fucked it up. So didn't actually get over they time. They didn't take violent action. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I think, and I, I see this all the time where I think 
people are so now conditioned to like hesitate and to freak out and to like, oh, instead of just going, I know what I'm doing here. I back myself. And, and instead of, you know, worrying about the rules and just everything, I'm not mm. saying break the rules, but like just Ask for forgiveness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if you know where you're going and when you do know where you're going, then I always say this, like your journey speeds up and the most dangerous people to have in your life are people that don't know where they're going. And you see this all the time where you're behind someone who doesn't know where they're going, you're driving mm. and that they don't, cause they don't do an 80 in the fast lane. Yeah. They've got Fuck. no idea like that anyone's <laughs> behind them. They've got no self-awareness. They I'm just flashing my lights. I'm waving out the window, throwing up hand signs. Yeah. Get out of my f- way. <laughs> all of a sudden they just like turn left. They don't indicate <laughs> and you're whoa. And so I think, you know, you want to be careful of what society does to us where it keeps putting all these different rules and stuff in all parts of our life and we go like, okay, then you slowly get conditioned to do those things. And then you start to realize some of these rules suck mm. and you can actually do better if you don't just stick to them but think like, okay, that is the rule, but it's not necessarily has to be played by by that. I could change some things here. So I could not have these levels of debt that I have. Maybe I do need to understand about trying to pay down my student loan faster or whatever to then free up that income uh, or even just not do consumerism and get cue cards and, and gem visas and um, buy now, pay later and all of that stuff. Mm. This, Yeah, I hate rules. So like I try and not even know them. I just sort of like go yeah. and then worry about if I get in trouble and find out about the rule later. Like it sounds a bit weird, but you know, it's kind of normal to think you need a mortgage to have a house. But that's to me, that's the kind of rule that I don't like. So I'm like, what if I just pay cash for one? Really interesting because this week you would have seen on Keep the Change, I put up a reel or a photo about how someone made $3.5 million profit in the housing market Yeah, from a house they brought in 2003. <laughs> oh, wow. And sold it in 2023. <laughs> yeah. Well, adjusted for inflation, they actually lost $3 million on that because it didn't keep up with inflation. <laughs> yeah. But I then did a calculation. What if you put that $2.1 million into the stock market, the S&P 500, and that became, over that same period, over $15 million. Mm. Now, I knew the first thing that I would get is, yeah, but who's, who, they wouldn't have had $2.1 million. Like, yeah, they've used debt, you, this leverage thing you leverage. don't understand. And it, sure enough, I get that. And I'm like, but how do you know they didn't pay cash? Like, just because that's how you're playing the game it's doesn't the mean, yeah. So then they've been, you know, that, and they're like, oh, well, like, they must have. And it's like, but how do you know? Like, yeah. maybe they inherited three million the week before they brought it. Yeah. It's funny how we do just, that's walking around sleepwalking and just believing these unwritten rules of society. Mm. And I kind of like the idea of just not giving a fuck about them. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a funny one, eh? I mean, do that calculation again with Bitcoin. Mm. You'd probably have like hundreds of millions of dollars. We'll have to do a pod on uh, some of the, the society rules that aren't really rules that we then conform to. Yeah, true. That's a good one because there's heaps. it, it kind of comes back a little bit to one of the most listened to podcasts ever, How to Think, um, and making sure you sort of like look down on what's going on, like yeah. step out of your body, look down, look at the things that you're abiding to, and then you realize that most of the shit isn't even real. Yeah. You're making it up. Because because that's how this person did it and that's how my parents did it and all of this kind of thing, you know. And, yeah, I think it's a healthy process to go through if you if you can look at things objectively and then make your own decision about it. 
Well, mate, these rules sounds like they don't mean too much. They're not going to have the big impact that I think a lot of people thought they did. One thing I do like about them, mate. Of course you do. Is that, <laughs> of course I like rules. Yeah. Uh, is that simplistically people, the narrative will be in the chat for the uneducated that don't listen to the Keep the Change podcast will be like, you've got to be careful what debt you have because you won't be able to buy property anymore. And that will not actually be true. Uh, to yep. the point where they probably could still borrow that, but then people will think twice about taking out dumb debt. Mm. Or the other thing where it could go the other way, because I am I always lean overly optimistic and fuck that up all the time. <laughs> what will happen is that the thing that I hate the most is that people give up and they go like, oh, I'll never be able to buy a house because like my income's too low and then therefore I could only borrow that and that's the house I want over there. So like I don't even care. And someone messaged me last night and basically said, since finding Keep the Change, I've been able to get out of that mindset of mm. basically paycheck to paycheck, week to week, there's no point, just live in debt, who cares anyway, to shit, I, you know, I got stuck there for a long time and I actually need to tidy that up and go down the other path. Mm. And that's, that's a really scary place to get to because that's where you do give up and that's the like – oh, where are you going to get a 7% return? What's the point even investing? Because like, what's that money going to be worth in the future anyway? And as soon as you ask those people, oh, so what's your money going to be worth if you don't invest it? The yeah. reply doesn't come. Yeah. But like, don't quit and don't give up. And just because a rule gets introduced, don't freak out. Be like, okay, another, like it's just like any sport, whenever they change the rule, the Warriors, for instance, don't just go like, well, we're not, we're not playing next season. They changed that rule. We didn't like that. You have to adapt. Yeah, you have to figure out how the fuck do I win the comp? Yep, hundred percent. Sport is such a great analogy, right? Like, there's so many comparables just of real life, and we don't even use them. Yeah, but yeah, hundred percent, man. Just you've just got to play the rules that are in front of you, and whether you agree with them or not, they are the rules, and you've got to make sure that you just fucking smash it. Oh, I'm getting fired up again, mate. <laughs> right, oh well, that's been a cracking first podcast in the new studio. Thinks everything looks like it's still recording and uh, the TV's on in the background. The Lambo looks like it's ready to plop. <laughs> I'm ready to jump in, mate. Yeah, good man. Can't be far away. <laughs> uh, the $100 note's still there. That's handy. If you haven't, please leave a review. I'm sure most of you had by now. We're over 2,000 on the old Spotify. But uh, these days, to really grow, we're going to need you to put something on social media to share it. Yeah, and if you're watching this on YouTube... Make sure you hit the like button and then subscribe. Yeah, 1,000 subscribers on there and haven't really been trying over on YouTube, being yeah, very nice. lazy. I did notice that like as soon as you uploaded the first ones, it, the algorithm just spat it in my face. Did eh? it? Yeah. Nice. Oh, hopefully <laughs> they start popping up for yeah. people. It'll be interesting to see the different type of audience that we get over on YouTube. So if you are seeing this on YouTube for the first time, there's an Instagram, there's um, a Facebook page as well, there's a Friday email that goes out at 9am with a written lesson called Money Mail. There are resources to help you improve your financial literacy. So if you can't find them, find the Instagram page, send a DM over and we'll get something to you. Rock and roll, baby.